0: Way out of here. Oh man. This is Baseball Tonight the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Friday, April 8th, 2022, and today will be better than yesterday, although yesterday was pretty dang good because it was opening day for a lot of teams in the majors. I'm Buster Only, sort of working a baggage claim Friday. I just got off a plane in New York after being part of the ESPN radio broadcast The Reds and Braves last night with Roxy Bernstein. Sarah Abbott's working from the Heartland in Nebraska. Taylor Schwenk is working from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut. And Taylor, today, we got baseball sounds, real
1: games. The season's come up so fast on me. I think it's come up fast on everyone. But I'm putting the rundown together. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to go look for some gamers. I got to go dig up some sound. It was, a, it was a whole new world that we're entering into. I'm very excited.
0: It was fun. And everybody yesterday was watching the debut of Bobby Witt Jr., considered to be the best young prospect in baseball, playing his first game for the Kansas City Royals. It was one all. Bottom of the eighth inning, the crowd in Kansas City was going nuts, chanting his name. And this is what happened.
2: pitch to Witt. Drive left field toward the corner. It's in there. Here comes Michael A. Taylor. Witt sprinting to second. RBI double. First big league hit. Possibly
1: the game-winning
2: hit in the opener.
1: Did you hear that
0: crowd? Oh my god, that was like October crowd, Taylor. They love him in Kansas City. He's already big time. Amazing. He's already big time. Denny Matthews with that call there. The Royals win on opening day. Diamondbacks, Padre, Seth Beer came up in the ninth inning in his first big league
3: game. Seth Beer, fly ball. Right field. It's National Beer Day. Good night, everybody. Oh, you couldn't have scripted it any better. Seth Beer wins it on opening night.
0: Wow! Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even know what that call was going to be, but it was my friend Steve Berthium, who does uh, play-by-play on television for the Diamondbacks. and knew it would be great, and he came through. Uh, as I mentioned, I was in Atlanta last night. Reds and Braves, Braves unrolling their championship banners, but Joey Votto helped to ruin the night for Atlanta.
1: 2-0 pitch, swing and a liner over the leaping second baseman. Albies into right, and a sharp
0: single for Votto. Coming in is India. Aquino goes to third, stays there, up to second. Fam Joey Votto, a sharp single to right, 2-0 Cincinnati. Yeah, and Cincinnati wins that game 6-3. That was a call from Roxy Bernstein. The Minnesota Twins, before any games were played yesterday, acquired Chris Paddock from the San Diego Padres along with Emilio Pagan. In return for Taylor Rogers, Brent Rooker, some money going from the Twins to the Padres. The Pirates and Cabrian Hayes have worked out an eight-year, $70 million deal. Not so much for Xander Bogarts and the Boston Red Sox. Bogarts was asked yesterday by reporters about how negotiations are going. Bogarts has a chance to opt out of his contract after this year. Bogarts said, no, no, in terms of an extension and the progress that they've made. Tyler McGill was filling in to start an opening day for the Mets in place of Max Scherzer, who had been tabbed to start in place of Jacob deGrom. McGill, whether he was a second choice, a third choice or fourth choice, he was excellent. Five scoreless innings. But in that game, we also had fireworks. 2-2 coming to Alonzo. Oh, no. Where
2: to get him? I thought it got him on the shoulder. I thought, they, it, it, I thought so, too. It might have glanced off his face after it hit his shoulder. I'm not sure. I am. Buck is going to come out and make sure he's okay before I mean, he if, allows him to go. In fact, he's going to not even allow him to go to first.
0: Oh, my. Pete Alonso seems like he's okay. He was a third batter hit, third Mets batter hit in this game. Starling Marte of the Mets was holding up three fingers and pointing him at the Washington Nationals. The Mets win this game 5-1. to one, The only run for the Nationals, predictably, a home run by Juan Soto. Taylor, what do you got?
1: Buster, we are an exciting point in the sports calendar. Not only is baseball back, but NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and you should be listening to the Low Post with Zach Lowe and the Hoop Collective with Ryan Windhorst. They come at you twice a week, normally Monday, Thursday situation. So follow those guys wherever you listen to your podcast as we approach the NBA postseason. They're a
0: great listen. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxydectin, and pyrantel chewable tablets. nextguard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Choose. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Jessica Mendoza covers baseball for ESPN. She's an analyst And Jess. Yesterday, I was jealous of you. Uh, I was in the ballpark in Atlanta. But on opening day, it feels like the best place to be is actually sitting in front of a bank of televisions, clicking, moving around, watching a bunch of different games, which is what you got to do.
4: I highly disagree. Um <laughs> the best place to be and you know this you're just trying to make me feel good um is definitely to be in a ballpark I mean I'm so excited I'm actually driving to New York today because um, to go to Yankees Red Sox just really on my own and uh, I'll be doing baseball tonight back in studio on Sunday but I mean I need I'm just like okay seriously like I cannot sit here and watch all these games and not be in a ballpark and yeah it's cool to soak in and see all the different like especially as we got to about like Eight o'clock last night because and it was like three of the games started to end and then we had three more games starting in the West Coast and it was just like all the amazingness of um, baseball at once and we haven't even seen all the teams yet.
0: You did get to see the first day in which catchers are using pitch com at least some of them. It's a te- technology where the catcher has a transmitter on his left wrist uh, by pushing buttons he signals to the pitcher what the the, the forthcoming pitch uh, that's the you know, suggestion he's giving the pitcher can shake it off. Uh, it's been generally met with rave reviews. I think veteran catchers don't like it, Jess. Uh, I'll just ex- explain in a moment. Uh, you know, some thoughts that Travis Darno of the Braves had for me yesterday. But what were your your first impressions watching games in which pitch was being used?
4: Yeah, I was watching Brewers Cubs actually yesterday, and they were honing in. And it just, to me, I was like, this is freaking awesome. (laughs) Like, and as much as like, I, I mean, I, I will admit like in even softball, like I was the first to be on second base, like picking signs, like finding the fingers, like figuring out that was such a part of the game, even from like 10, 11 years old was like always figuring out what the sign, what the pitch was coming. It's, it's ingrained in the game. Um, if you can get that leg up, if you can get that advantage. Um, so I understand like, there's a part of that that goes away with like, just being able to pick the pitches. Um, and obviously the extreme versions that, that we want to avoid of that. That, but, you know, just to be able to see this transmitter, um, that was on the wrist and then like, you know, picturing like up and in fastball being told that Corbin burns through his hat. I don't know. It just felt so like technology meets baseball in the best kind of way. Um, I was watching Um, Colton Wong actually, um, at second base, like put it in his hat and being able to use it. And he was talking about it after the game and how it's just really cool. And especially for, you know, you think about middle infielders, center field, you know, even third base, they're talking about as as players that can also have this, I know as an outfielder, the anticipation, my shortstop used to give me locations just so I could anticipate where the the ball was coming. And now to be able to do that without worrying, hopefully of no one picking it is, is pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And I'll get to that in a moment, because already there's conversations about how how to break down that system. I would say this. You know, I did the game last night on radio with Roxy Bernstein. Yeah, He was doing play by play. I was in between pitches. You try to add thoughts. There's no doubt that when the Cincinnati Reds and they were using it last night, the Braves were not using it. When the Reds uh, pitchers were on the mound they were flying like the flow of the game is yes. faster. There's yes. no question about it. And that's what I've heard from people around the game. Did you feel that watching the game yesterday?
4: Yes, yes, that's exactly it. And that was kind of the biggest reviews from spring training was just the pace of play. The Biggest, I mean, number one for me of where baseball needs to approve, everyone knows this, is that pace of play and watch Corbin literally get it and go. And even when he would shake, there were a couple times that he would shake and the immediate like, and that's the catcher pitcher thing. You just press the next button because, you know, instead of throwing down, especially with runners on. I mean, you're talking about four or five signals for one pitch. Then you shake it off. We got four or five signals like coming. And then there's that like moment of like, OK, was it the third sign? Like, right. you know, China, like, yes.
0: And catchers out? will admit catchers and pitchers will admit they sometimes forget the signs.
4: Oh gosh, we've seen it happen. How many mix-ups do you see, you know, over the course of a week where, you know, I thought the curveball was coming, <laughs> it was a fastball and the catcher completely misses it, um, even if it was a strike. So, I mean, eliminates that as well. Um, but the pace of play, you I mean, that's exactly what I saw. It was like, get on the mound. And what I was hearing in spring is the guys can get it before they're even on the rubber. Yep. So they already know what they're going to throw. So even if they wanted to shake it off, they could do it before they even, you know, it's time for the batter to get in the batter's box.
0: So I talked with Travis Darno, veteran catcher for the Braves yesterday before the game about it. Uh, And and his feeling was, look, we don't need it. And from his perspective as a guy who's been in the game forever, he's going to be getting a World Series uh, ring this weekend. He's working, for example, with a pitcher like a Charlie Morton. Do those two guys really need it? Probably not. Uh, I I do think, uh, you know, we've heard about 50 percent of the teams are using it. Those teams that aren't using it probably our teams with veteran catchers. You know, I, I talked to AJ Hinch the other day and he said, Tucker Barnhart, they're catchers, not using it. But if you're a team with young catchers, absolutely you want them to use it. Yesterday, Tyler Stevenson of the Reds, you know, he was using it. But something that David Bell, the, the Reds manager told me before the game yesterday, really jumped out. He goes, yeah, middle of the game, we're probably you know, going to have to reprogram the transmitter system. And you're and it like took you aback because what, what do you mean? And then you think, of course, uh, because everybody watches everything that the opposing players are doing, right? At some point, some savvy player, Eduardo Perez, who works with us, is going to know exactly when the catcher, through physical tells, touches some part of his pad, that probably means a fastball is coming up. Or maybe the pitch is going to be low and away. They'll be able to see those sequences. Kind of like if someone were watching you punch in numbers at an ATM. And so I watched in the seventh inning. They brought in a reliever. Tyler Stevenson went out to the mound carrying a new uh, transmitter in an earpiece. Gave it wow. to the pitcher because they're anticipating that sort That's of ridiculous. thing happening. And Eduardo, who was in this meeting with David Bell yesterday, was like, Yep. Like you absolutely will be looking for that. It'll be like being at a poker table, seeing the same physical tell that the catcher does when he calls a fastball or a breaking ball. So, my suggestion was see if you, I mean, we were making this up on the fly. Uh, My suggestion yesterday was you need like a little flap, right? That where the opposing players can't see the buttons you're pushing.
4: They have a guard, or at least the uh, Brewers did, where okay. it, it's up toward shielding the batter now. Like, And the camera was honed in, so I could actually see the buttons they were pressing, which then, yeah. I mean, you look at like, the video technology coming back in. I could actually see the button that was being pressed because of the angle. It was like a high home that <laughs> was like yeah. sneaking over the shoulder. Um, but they, had, they did have a shield that anyone in front of you, the batter, could not see.
0: Okay. So it is like the ATM where they have this little flaps yes. down when you're punching yeah. in the numbers. Can you believe that we, we've had, it's been used one day and everyone's looking to break it down. <laughs>
4: the paranoia is real.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. No doubt. Uh, all right. Yesterday I did not get to see this. You did Bobby Witt jr. His debut, uh, look, they're great prospects that we see every year, but Bobby Witt jr. Looks like a guy who's going to be really, really special.
4: Yeah. I mean, and it's what I love about it. Buster is, It's the future and that it's power and speed. And I feel like the speed component is coming back into the game. And, you know, we're even seeing that in the minor leagues with some of the rule adjustments, and the amount of times that pitchers can actually step off the rubber to kind of increase the amount of, you know, leads and steals that we're seeing in the game, the excitement in and around that. But Bobby Wood Jr. is someone that exemplifies that to me is is the two most exciting parts of the game. When you look at offense are like the big hits, the slug and the ability to be able to like to run the base steel bases to take that extra base and watch that pure speed it was cool I was watching the game live when Bobby Witt Jr. came up there late in the game Um, and with with, you know with the whole entire atmosphere in Kansas City I mean you could just feel the energy chanting his
0: name right? It
4: was amazing. And that was, I mean, honestly, I was excited before he got the hit because I'm thinking about Torkelson out, you know, in Detroit, I'm thinking about Julio Rodriguez and the fact that because of the the changes now with the CBA this year, we can actually see these young stars on opening day and Buster, how important that is because, you know, I, I do think Kansas city and Detroit will have better seasons than they had last year, but like the most important day for teams that aren't possibly going to be in October is the very first day. That hope, that feel, you know, all the home fans feeling like this is our year. We can do this. And putting your best foot forward, which for the Kansas City Royals is Bobby Wood Jr.
0: I hope you're right. I I still don't see any hard and fast rules put in place uh, structurally that will prevent service time manipulation. I think those are organic Uh, Like Bobby Witt Jr., I think, was promoted on the first day because Dayton Moore is the head of baseball operations of the Royals. He hates tanking and he promotes players as he did Hosmer, Mike Moustakis, based on when he felt like they earned their ascension into the big leagues. And he felt that way about Bobby Witt Jr. You you hope that teams handle situations, get their best players on the field early. You know, that's for sure. You got to see Shohei Otani yesterday in his first game. What would you see?
4: You know, honestly, Buster, my favorite part and, and the angels broadcasting Mavericks, our friend who was calling the game, um, for Valley sports was, did a great job. They, their network of following Shohei after the top of the first inning and he gets out of the inning. by the way, he kind of, it was a little rough and he overthrew like a few that you could tell the nerves were real and there. And, you know, I'm sitting there, it was opening day for little league Two for, for my, my son. And so like, I couldn't help, but see it through this lens of like a 10 year old, you know, and you saw Shohei Otani, like the nerves and getting out of that first inning. And then he immediately, like, like a little kid runs into the dugout and he's getting on his batting gloves and because he's leading off the bottom of the first inning. And like, this is obviously, you know, it's history being made again, you know, with, with, with Shohei, but just the that that excitement and that i couldn't wait to get up to bat and he's putting on his shin guard and he runs out there and what does he do very first pitch of the game he swings at it chops the ball and literally gets down the line as fast as you will see anybody hustle gets thrown out but maybe a millisecond but I know he had nine strikeouts and 4.2 innings and all the stats that he had, but the best part about it was seeing just the love of this game and being able to be that two-way hitter. And like I said, to be able to follow him through the, instead of going to commercial break and actually see him prepare from going from pitching to hitting was pretty cool.
0: I got to say, and I did not see how this game uh, turned, but the idea that the angels would lose the game with their bullpen on opening day are like, Oh, here we go again. (laughs) I bet you, you know, Perry, Perry Manassian and, and Joe Madden are probably, you know, head in hand at this point. Like, please, we need to get this turned around because the yeah. angels are going to compete. That's the part of the team that's got to get better.
4: Especially because how exciting, honestly, that game was. Like it was really against the Astros. I mean, Jose Alt- Duve was three of the strikeouts. I mean, you just saw this, like, dominance. And then you look at the lineup for, for the Angels, especially the top three. I mean, I would think the Dodgers might be the only team that could argue that their top three or, or, or any better. Um, but to have Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, and Anthony Rendon, how is this team not going to be in October when they add Noah Syndergaard, they have Mike, Michael Lorenzen that can help. But to your point, it's going to come down to pitching, but specifically the bullpen.
0: Yeah, Ryan Teperi yesterday giving up a couple of home runs. Um, All right. One of the guys at the top of the Dodger lineup is Freddie Freeman. He was in the news in a surprising way yesterday. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. did an interview in in which he talked about an incident that happened when he was with the Braves, when Freddie was a part of a group of veteran players uh, who uh, spoke to Ronald as a young player about the way he wore his hat, eye black, And Ronald, you know, said in that initial interview that, uh, you know, he'd had clashes. That was a translation. Uh, He had clashes with Freddie uh, and he didn't miss him. Now, Ronald was approached by reporters yesterday in Atlanta. He didn't back off the suggestion that he and Freddie are not the best of friends. He also said he thought the thing was being blown out of proportion to some degree. He said, look, you know, we're not close. It's not like we're actively not liking each other. Um, Freddie later in the day did an interview in which he talked about that incident. He remembered it. He goes, look, every team has a, a standard, uh, that you're expected to meet in terms of how you dress. Uh, he talked about how the Braves have a rule. You can't cover up the A in the cap during batting practice. You can't, uh, wear eye black, uh, during batting practice. He talked about a thing that happened to him in 2016, where he was getting on the plane, Uh, the team playing with uh, what a a club of officials said were tennis shoes. He said, you can't wear those. You have to wear regular shoes with heels. He he said, look, every team has these type of rules. That's what was going on there. We weren't beating on the guy. Um, And I would say this, the whole thing just surprised me because, you know, I've talked to Freddie Freeman a million times since Ronald Cooney Jr. came to the big leagues. When a young player comes up, I'll go to veterans and say, hey, what's that guy like? you know, off the record to give the player comfort. Freddie Freeman in our private conversations has been nothing but glowing <laughs> about Ronald Acuna Jr. I never picked up on a bit of tension. What was your take on that whole thing?
4: I mean, I think that's the weight of a leader. Um when you you actually do see, you know, with younger players, you see You know the talent, you see the excitement, honestly, the energy of Ronald Cooney Jr. One of the best things about him is he is his own personality. Him and Ozzie Albies lead that team as far as just the love of the game and being themselves and putting out there the things that maybe aren't the rules and not the tradition. But when you're a leader of a team, you have to do the hard things. And when there are rules, like agree with them or not, like, and honestly, those rules are ridiculous. But like when you are the leader, you're that captain, you're the person that Is the guy that's saying, hey, dude, come on, like this is something like and Freddie might even been like, I don't even you know, like this rule, but this is this is what we do. And if you do this, then it shows everyone else that like, you know, you're someone special or whatever that that's Freddie being a leader. And one of the hardest things about being a leader is that you're not always going to be everyone's friend and you can't be. That you have to be the person that allows the team to be what's going to make them the best team. And that means bringing and reeling reeling people in and doing things that are hard. And and maybe things that you don't even agree with yourself. So it doesn't surprise me that Freddie absolutely loved Ronald Acuna Jr. But he also had to be in his role at that point as a veteran player. Someone that wasn't going to be the nice guy all the time that wasn't going to be the, Hey man, just do whatever you want. But actually, Hey, like this is something that we do here in Atlanta that I'm sure Chipper would have done for him and said to him, and it's just the thing that gets handed down. And with that weight of leadership comes being sometimes the bad guy and the one that when you're gone or people say, it doesn't surprise me at all that, you know, I think they both probably respect each other, but the way that that comes across a lot of times when you have to be that guy is is not being the one that's always really liked.
0: And when I saw it play out yesterday, Jess, it also occurred to me, I I think a lot of this comes down to language. You know, Freddie Freeman, as far as I know, is not fluent in Spanish. Ronald Acuna Jr. is not fluent in English. Uh, They're not having a lot of casual conversations. Uh, And that probably, that's, you know, I see that play out. Marley Rivera knows Ronald Acuna Jr. better than I do as a reporter because I'm not fluent in Spanish. Uh, I have a great relationship uh, with Freddie Freeman. Um, And I think that probably plays a part here, too. Yes.
4: Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, that's I do think baseball allows for a language that that can be spoken regardless. And you've seen it, too, with so many players that might not speak each other's language. And honestly, their secondary isn't great to be able to communicate. And yet they get along incredibly Ohtani. well. You
0: hear stories about Otani, how he may not do interviews in English, but he talks to teammates all the time.
4: Yeah, like I, I don't think I mean, I do think that that can get lost maybe in the casual like, yeah, maybe they're not going and hanging out. I, I think it's more to do with the role that Freddie was in. If Freddie okay. was the young player, I think that they would have gotten along a lot better because it wasn't Freddie's role to be the guy to tell Ronald, you know, these are the things you can and can't do. And that's what I think it comes down to. Cause I went through that myself. Like when I, you know, didn't get along with, you know, leaders on our team or when I was put in the position, when I was the old lady, <laughs> and I had to be the one. Did you, do to that? Play. Did you have to yeah. do that? Yeah. And it sucked, honestly, buster. Cause I knew walking away from it, that they were like bad mouthing, but they were just like, who does she get think off my lawn you know? Mendoza? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I was such a I was such a, yeah, I can't say the word. But.
0: <laughs> I knew where you're going. <laughs> All right. Well, great to talk with you. Great to see you again.
4: Yes. Happy opening weekend.
0: <laughs> you can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes. Call one 800 directv or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Joey Votto has had a reputation for being relatively reserved and stoic for a lot of his career, which is why the burst of personality he has shown the last couple of years has surprised fans and even peers. This spring, he's uploading videos on TikTok and Instagram. And those have made longtime friends in the game laugh out loud.
3: And I don't want the world to see me. Cause I don't don't think think that they understand understand When everything's made to be broken I just want you to know who I am Before
0: last night's game, Bada told Carl Ravage, Tim Kirk, and me about a search for his first tattoo. He intends to fly after the season to Brazil where he will spend a day with a renowned tattoo artist and the two of them will decide together on a design. Ravi joked with Votto about a midlife crisis. Joey said back, everything is a midlife crisis. A lot of this, Votto says, is to connect with young fans. In another chapter in this evolution of Votto, he wore a microphone for ESPN in the game on Thursday night, and what resulted was television gold. Here's Votto playing first base, welcoming Ozzy Albies to the broadcast.
3: Being up two runs um, is I'm like right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say hi to everyone. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> everybody knows <laughs> Ozzy. Yes, of course. Um, you know, being up two run- Here's Carl Ravitch and Joey Votto talking about a midlife
0: crisis. You seem to be embracing a foreign territory, the whole social media thing.
1: And I asked you, like, is it a midlife crisis? And you. You kindly said, every day is a midlife
2: crisis.
3: <laughs> well, that's the hope. That's the hope. I actually, um, I've been considering getting a uh, diamond tooth or a gold tooth, taking out one of my uh, bicuspids and replacing it. So, you know, ask the, ask the fans what they think about that. I'm thinking about having a little bling in my mouth. Here, Joey asks Ozzy what he thinks about Botto getting a diamond tooth. Hey, Ozzy, what do you think about me getting a diamond a diamond tooth? Okay. There we go. Go for it. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Why not? Get it. Okay. All right. There you go. There you go. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. They told me to ask. Ask you. I, I said, I said I wasn't gonna ask you. You're, you're much too young. I'm, I'm midlife, midlife crisis guy. In this clip, Votto mixes in some play-by-play. I worked with a golf instructor a couple years ago, and he likened what i'm trying to do right now to the uh and we've got the masters going on which is perfect um to to a golfer to to the best golfers in the world are the longest drivers and the players that get cut are the ones that are most accurate on the fairway and i for a bit as we've got one out on a nice pitch from tyler there how you like that play by play and
0: here he is in conversation with the braves austin riley
3: How's your swing feel? It looks good. Good, 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 good. good, good swing on That's that slider. You're gonna be on ESPN two today. Guess what? I'm jacked. I'm jacked
0: to the tits. Odd Radom is the chief executive of our weekly quiz. He's a graphic artist whose work can be seen on ball fields all across America all around the world, or you can go to his website, ToddRadom.com. And Todd, I understand you got a special event coming up. That's right, Buster.
2: Next Friday, April 15th, the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson's historic breaking of the modern color barrier in baseball. I am going to be hosting a uh, moderating, a panel discussion for the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City. Uh, It's on Twitter Spaces exclusively. It is at noon, April 15th. Uh, with a uh, a host of luminaries as part of this panel, including ESPN's own Jeff Passan. So anybody who's into Twitter and has an hour to uh, take a look, we will be on Twitter
0: Spaces noon Eastern. That'll be fun. Absolutely. How, how many times have you hosted a panel?
2: I've done this a couple of times. Never on Twitter Spaces, so this will be a new thing. But <laughs> uh, as you well know, it's all about some research and preparation and just being ready and keeping the pace going.
0: Yep. And there's so much. There. It's such a, a rich topic, that, that's for sure. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. All right. Yeah. Here's another curveball I'm going to throw at you. Uh, we learned this week that Major League Baseball has approved the use of these pitch comm devices uh, where catchers you know, touch a button to call pitches. And there's a listening device for the pitcher, as well as three other position players, uh, that they wear in their cap. And an interesting element of this is, Todd... You can custom the voices, so it doesn't have to just be the voice of the catcher or you know Siri or Alexa or anything like that. So the question for you is, whose voice would be your custom call? It can be anybody. This is like your ways customization where you'd have
2: Ozzy Osbourne directing you to to the airport <laughs> or something, Buster. Is that what you're exactly. saying? Exactly. I might have my friend Ice Cube.
0: Nice.
2: Wow. I mean, That's you know. A Very distinctive, kind of calming, authoritative, get you
0: where you need to go. Curveball. Okay. Now for next week, can you get him to tape you a a couple of uh, pitch calls and maybe we'll (laughs) play him on the podcast? (laughs) That would be something that I, I, you know, I probably speak to
2: him between now and then, but I don't know. That'll come up in conversation but I could, I could try, you know?
0: Yeah. And, uh, him being a sports fan, it'd be he could, he could use this space as an audition platform to be a bunch of, you know, the, the pitch signaler for a bunch of guys in the big league. <laughs> I think he's very busy with
2: many other things, but I could bring it up and we'll see what happens. Very nice. Uh,
0: Sarah, what about you? What voice would you have?
4: I'm going with the most underrated actor of our generation, Stanley Tucci. He, Oh, nice. Yes, just a nice guy and makes me happy. So just make me happy to hear him call the pitches in my head.
2: Now I'm hungry for Italian food, Sarah. Right. And I want to go to
1: Italy. Like oh, in my that- God. Yeah, right. Uh, Taylor, what about you? My first thought would be to interview all the like hushed British uh, people who read Audible books. I really like those folks. Wow. Um, but Tom DeLonge from Blink One Eight Two, he's got such a distinctive voice. Where are you? He'd be really fun to say like <laughs> sliders, things like that. I think uh, that would be interesting. Yeah, but the point on the mound is to not make you laugh; it's
0: to keep you in the flow. Mm, good point. Yeah. Good, that, that's why you're a your baseball guy. You the competition. You know, you don't want to get put to sleep or or you know start cracking up on the mound. You mm. you got to stay in the moment. That's part of the consideration here. Well, yeah. Buster, what's your answer? You've asked us, so what are you? Got? I'm going to think about it, and and you know, I want to. I'm going to hear some auditions. I think in the next week, and so we'll uh, we'll we'll pin someone down. I'll have an answer for you next week. How about that? All right, that sounds good. All right, let's get to this week's fan of franchise.
2: All right, Buster, the Baltimore Orioles, Taylor's Baltimore Orioles and the Washington Nationals are separated by a distance of just 38 miles. And that proximity has been the source of legal wrangling since the Nats arrived in D.C. in 2005, between 1971, when the Washington Senators left for Texas and 2004, when the Montreal Expos moved to the nation's capital, Washington was Orioles territory. And herein lies the story of this week's Phantom franchise. Despite their success on the field in the 60s, 70s, and early 80s, the Orioles struggled at the box office. In 1976, both the National and American Leagues adopted resolutions calling for the Birds to play 13 home games at Washington's RFK Stadium, which once hosted the Senators and would later serve as the first home of the Nationals. This never happened. Three years later, the Orioles were sold to powerful D.C. attorney Edward Bennett Williams, who also owned Washington's NFL franchise at the time. And a move to the district seemed imminent. Williams had reportedly been talking for about six months with D.C. Armory board officials about possible use of RFK Stadium. The Orioles, meanwhile, had been playing without a lease. Can you imagine this? At Baltimore's Memorial Stadium for two years, no lease. And their expired lease required them to play only 70 games there with no obligations at all beyond 1980. The lease situation stagnated with the city of Baltimore, the state of Maryland and the Orioles squabbling about the terms of a new agreement. And in 1984, the Orioles co-tenants, the Colts stole away in the middle of the night, moving to Indianapolis. Finally, Buster, in June 1984, the Orioles signed on the dotted line, and four years later, in May 1988, an agreement was reached for a new ballpark at Baltimore's Camden Yards, thus saving the Orioles for Charm City. The Orioles won the 1983 World Series, their most recent championship. But today, Buster, we close our eyes and we imagine the Baltimore slash Washington Orioles who are this week's phantom franchise.
0: And as I listened to you, I thought about this. Uh, If not for all that and the way that all played out, if they'd gone to Washington, we wouldn't have Camden Yards, right? Yeah, no question
2: about it. And I think, you know, in doing the research for this, the Colts moved to Baltimore or from Baltimore to Indianapolis, rather, really kind of like lit a fire under the political powers that be in Maryland. And I know that uh, you, having lived in Baltimore, covered this franchise for the Baltimore Sun, you know, Memorial Stadium, even if it wasn't an old facility, was not exactly state of the art. And as we always say, we can thank uh, Janet Marie Smith and Larry Lucchino for changing the way we see games. Uh, And 30 years after it opened, Camden Yards, we can't imagine life without Camden Yards.
0: Oh, my goodness. And then, you know, and if uh, Camden Yards doesn't happen in Baltimore, you know, which way the dominoes fall? We'll never know. Like the the combinations of people, you know, the visionary Larry Lucchino thinking about the steel when uh, he would go to ballparks as a kid in Pittsburgh. And uh, yeah, it's a fascinating idea. All right. Let's get to this week's quiz. Sarah has rejoined us knowing that she's fallen one correct answer behind me. Taylor, I don't even want to get into Taylor's situation. He's over two so far this year. Are you guys ready to go? I guess. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Show some enthusiasm, Taylor. It's opening week. All right, here we go. This player holds the record for most home runs at the current Yankee Stadium, which opened in 2009. Is it A, Robinson Cano, B,
3: Aaron
2: Judge, C, Mark Teixeira, or D, Alex Rodriguez, most home runs at the current Yankee Stadium, which opened in two thousand nine. Robinson Cano, wow. Aaron Judge, Mark
0: Teixeira, or A Rod? Wow, wow. That's a tough question. You say that every week. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, since I'm in first, I guess I'm going to go. I'll lead us off here. Uh, oh, boy. And you got the you got the perfect teasers. That's for sure. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Alex Rodriguez. Taylor.
1: Mm, I'll go Mark Teixeira. Sarah.
4: Yeah. I'll go Aaron Judge. So everyone has a different one.
2: <laughs> I like it. And I like the fact that Taylor, Mark Teixeira, oh. with yes. 113 home runs oh. Let's go. at the current Yankee Stadium. <laughs> Aaron Judge with 85 going into the season. A-Rod with 72.
0: Robinson Cano, 82. We got a horse race, folks. Yeah, we do. And Taylor, it's not a surprise that you're brought to life in this competition by a Baltimore guy. That's exactly why I picked him. Shout out, Severna Park, Maryland. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Oh, man. Nice work. Very good. Todd, thanks for doing this. And we'll talk to you next week.
2: All right, everybody. Thank you. Bleacher
1: tweets. All righty, Buster. Bleacher tweets for a glorious Friday. Jacob Stack at Jacob Stack 11 is up first. He writes in, so you've made clear your Dodger fandom is gone, but admit it, you have a slight bias slash interest in the Braves' due to your son, Jake, huh? It couldn't
0: possibly be the fact that the Braves are current world champions. (laughs) We wouldn't be paying attention to the Braves, right? Otherwise, like, or that I, we did the game last night. Um, Well, I mean, the the fact is, is that the Braves games are on in my house more than other teams because of Jake. Let's go to
1: uh, Gary, the no trash Cougar writes in uh why wouldn't he's talking about jacob de here why wouldn't he opt out at the end of the year when he can probably double his annual salary with a new contract unless his arm falls off by then always a possibility but he'd be a fool not to is what gary says gary his
0: annual salary next year is 35 million dollars you think he's <laughs> going to double that with the injuries that he's had no the question is whether or not uh you know, he can be healthy enough at the end of this year to get another big contract and, and how he's going to handle that. It is a surprise that with that $35 million cab on the line for 2023, he's already determined he's going to walk away from that.
1: Our guy Don Irvine is up next at Don Irvine. Don writes in, how many games do the Nationals have to win the season for Davey Martinez to avoid being fired? Uh, I'm thinking that maybe he's been appointed like the caretaker manager of this transitionary period of the Nationals. What do you think?
0: Okay, the Nationals constantly change their managers, but uh, one common denominator for a lot of the decisions that they make, they don't like to spend money. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if the team's bad, I don't think that's going to be a surprise to anybody per se, but I also don't think they're going to go out and hire another manager and pay two guys. He won a World Series. Maybe they just let him hang out yeah, while, while things are turning over. Right. Exactly. I mean, he can he, you know, bring the team along. And then uh, you know, as the general managers say, they'll they'll analyze everything at the end of the year.
1: Ernesto Sadio Earn YC 377 writes. And am I being overly cynical for looking at the Cabrian Hayes trade contract? He probably means and thinking this is the perfect contract for them to trade away in two seasons. It feels like the nuttings are content with collecting revenue and feeding larger markets.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's the the plan, but there's no doubt about it. You know That contract, if Cabrian Hayes turns out to be as good as what people think, uh, that's going to be looked at as being a valuable team-friendly contract in the way that Jose Ramirez's contract was looked at as team-friendly contract. Um, That's going to increase his value in the trade market, no doubt about it. I don't know if the Pirates have, have even talked internally about actually trading him but it's going to make it more valuable. Last one for the week, Oren Sleepwalker
1: at Oren83 writes in, more likely to play out his contract with his current team
0: without being traded, Cabrian Hayes or Wander Franco? Only because there are health questions now, Cabrian Hayes, after last year, the issue that he had with his ankle, I think he's more likely to play out his contract. Wander Franco, to me, is a guy who eventually is going to opt out of his contract. He's a monster talent. All That does it for Bleacher Tweets for the week.
1: Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter as you're watching games this weekend. Thanks, everyone. That's it for today.
0: My thanks to Jess, Todd, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. I should also say thanks to Joey Votto. Man, he was great yesterday and uh, so generous in wearing the microphone. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Thanks for listening to the Baseball Tonight Podcast. If you're playing fantasy baseball, check out the Fantasy Focus Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The Baseball Tonight Podcast.